Thanks, Bruce. The reading for today is from Exodus chapter 36, verses 1 to 7. Let Bezalel, Oholiab, and every other skilled worker whom God has given skill, ability, and knowledge for the work of building the sanctuary do all that God commanded. Moses then called together Bezalel, Oholiab, and every skilled person whom God had given skill and who was eager to come and do the work. Moses gave them all the gift offerings that the Israelites had contributed to the work on the sanctuary. They kept bringing him spontaneous gifts, morning after morning. Finally, all the skilled workers building the sanctuary left their work that they were doing one by one to come to Moses and say, the people are contributing way too much material for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses issued a command that was proclaimed throughout the camp. Every person should stop making gift offerings for the sanctuary project. So the people stopped bringing anything more because what they had already brought was more than enough to do all the work. This is the word of God for the people of God. all um if you notice so today we're just gonna, you're gonna sit on this slide for a little bit and um uh you won't be able to do a, a large screen but if you open up on your right hand side the little gallery uh, at least have one box open you can see uh me so um i'm standing now with the pulpit and from the uh, the other view i was standing in the middle of the screen so we're we're playing with camera angles i'm gonna pretend that there's like 500 people here but there's seven, six, I can't, I don't have my glasses on, so I can't even see. Um, so we're, we're playing with how we're gonna do this hybrid world rather than uh, just streaming out uh, what we may do here to those of you out there. We are actually trying to create this different space. So it's gonna be different for everyone. Those of you that um, have come back into the space, uh, it's not exactly the same as it used to be. And those of you that are on Zoom still, uh, it is different than uh, the normal. Normally I'm sitting at my desk with my, uh, my highly curated background and here you just get brick walls. So um, it is, but it is, it's interesting to come back into space after so long, uh, 18 months of things that have both stayed the same and changed and you know, needing to move around an entire building and a sanctuary to get ready versus my little office at home uh, is very different. And so we're all requiring uh, both to extend grace during this time and to let ourselves embrace it, because I think uh, we are up for another season of some adaptability and change. So, uh, but let's, before we begin the sermon, let us, let us pray. Holy and gracious God, for just the gift of gathering and the gift of community, we give you thanks. As we gather today, as it again looks different for so many, as it again requires us to be flexible and to uh, find different ways of being open to your word and experience and view. As we gather this day knowing that we carry great pain, as we gather today knowing there is new life around us and in each of us, we give you thanks. We ask that the spirit that has brought us to this space, whether it is uh, from your car, from your house, from your bedroom, from the sanctuary, wherever it may be, the way that God has brought us into this place, we are amazed and give thanks. Let that spirit join us, one to another, the spirit that has been made real, the spirit that has told us we are not bound by walls, the spirit that will guide the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, so they are acceptable 
We pray all of this in the name of Christ and God's people say, amen. I haven't stood at a pulpit like this in, uh, gosh, now almost 18 months. And it is a little odd that I'm looking out to people and there's nobody here. Uh, this feels like in seminary, right after seminary, so 26 years ago. Um, I just celebrated actually my, or, my 26th ordiversary is what we call it. That's about the nerdiest thing that church people have is, is the anniversary of our ordination. We call it an ordiversary. And I had 26 years ago, it was ordained. And I remember sitting in a pulpit um, somewhat like this as we're preparing our sermons that were recorded and put out. I mailed cassette tapes to churches when I got out of some. Some of you on this Zoom have no idea what a cassette tape really actually looks like. You know what they picture, but you know I remember making um, homemade jackets for the cassette tape. Some of you remember that and printing them out and uh, folding them and putting them in so that I can mail them to pastor search committees all over the country. And, and PNCs, pastor nominating committees, used to sit around a table with a cassette player and listen to sermons. And I remember standing in that space and how difficult it is to actually preach when there's not like people here, there are a few people here, so, but I'm not going to keep looking at you, right? So they're like, we're here. Um, I'm going to, like, I, I, my muscle memory is going to have to come back about doing this and kind of looking at everybody. So I'm not ignoring you all over there. But it is strange because part of incarnating to the community is actually being together. Now, some of you think that we're, we've not been together, like we, you've experienced a real um, separation because we haven't physically been together. And some of you have found a new way of understanding the body being gathered through Zoom. I actually love both ways of being together with you all. I don't think that one is better than the other. And so uh, we are trying to create this new experience of hybrid worship and it is different than other places. And we will continue to shift and change. And um, I, I will not promise you that things you don't like are going to go away. And I can't promise you that things you love are going to stay. What we can promise you is that we're going to continue to try to figure out meaningful ways to express and share what we profess here as the gospel of love and compassion and justice. And so for those of you that are with us today, I'm grateful for you. One of the things that I'm really grateful for over this past 18 months is the generosity of this community, not just in spirit and uh, in the compassion we have one another, but I want to talk today about money. Now, money is one of those things that in the church, and if you were to talk about folks outside the church, when you, if you were just to go to a random person on the street, please don't do this, but if you were to go to a random person on the street and said, tell me what you think about church and money, I can guarantee you it's not going to be good. Like nobody's first inclination when they hear church and money is, oh, it's such a positive experience. That's all we hear in the news is how well the church does with money. Now, they're going to go right to the ways that, you know, wealthy, big megachurch pastors uh, drive around in uh, jets and uh, new cars and all of that. I'm still waiting for my jet. I don't know why that hasn't arrived yet, but I think that was part of the agreement when I got here. But, you know, that's what they're going to get to, or they're going to talk about how the church has so much wealth and it doesn't use it well and all those kinds of things. And some of that is very true. I am not here to justify how uh, churches use their money, but I do want us to want to acknowledge that this community has been extremely generous during this time. Our offering has been consistent, uh, even though you haven't been here in person. Some of you have be increased your offering. 
there has been more people giving, all of the ways in which you all have continued to support not just your staff, but the communities that we support outwardly, um, folks like the, the, the Day Worker Center and Interfaith Movement for Human Integrity and More Light Presbyterians and Presbyterian Peace Fellowship and United Campus Church, uh, UCCM, uh, all, all of the things that we do, uh, you all have continued to be with us. What, and what that tells me is that we have figured out a way to continue to be community. We figured out a way that it may not be perfect and it never really is, but we figured out a way to stay connected to one another. And for that, I'm grateful. And every year we come to the time where we need to talk about our finances and what it means for us as a church. And I think there are some, uh, I grew up in a kind of tradition where you didn't really talk about money, you just assumed you gave. Like some day, some Sunday around this time, our offering boxes would just show up in the narthex and we'd all have to pick up our offering boxes um, and that would just happen. And I grew up in a tradition that you didn't need to feel like you had to ask people to give. As I preached about last Sunday, um, some things are just time to move aside and to talk about money in a way that doesn't uh, make us feel awkward or doesn't make us feel guilty or to have shame, but to talk about as, as a real way in which we engage our resources in the work of the church. Now, in some places, and we've done this too, and I know you've done it, like we talk about talent, time, and treasure as if we really are talking about talent, time, and treasure when really what we're talking about is treasure and really what we're talking about is money. And so that's what we're going to talk about today because money is really hard to talk about. It's a very intimate topic. It's a very difficult one. When I do premarital counseling with people before their marriages, we talk about all the stuff that is difficult to talk about, right? We talk about communication, we talk about sexuality, and we talk about money. We talk about the things that will, if you don't talk about them, start to fester in you when things don't go well. So I wanna lift up a couple of things today as we talk about money. The first is to acknowledge that it is difficult to talk about. It's difficult because we all come into this space with different experiences of money. Some of us went through a consult with an organization last year that one of the exercises they had us do was to just think about our childhood experiences of money. And what were your first memories of money in your childhood? Just take a moment to think about yourself. What are the, if you think back to your childhood, what are the things when you think about money, what were they? Mine that I always share is uh, my mother tells the story about my grandfather, who I talk about a lot, I know, because I love him. Um, uh, Esteban de los Reyes, who was founding member of Trinity Presbyterian Church. He used to come home from his bartending job, and he'd, my, my mom and her siblings would all hear my grandfather coming to the doorway because he had his tips from the night, and so he'd be jingling as he walked forward, and he'd come in, and he, he knew what would happen next is he'd open the door, and then his, his tip change would just scatter in the living room, and it became a free-for-all with my mom and uh, her siblings. And I think about that. That wasn't my story, but I think about that because that's the kind of person my grandfather was. There was this hospitality and generosity that, you know, there wasn't any, like, well, maybe you shouldn't just give kids money like that all the time. There was no, like, anything that was anything but generosity. And that's the memory that I was told over and over again growing up. 
it wasn't about irresponsibility and not, you know, just being able to spend whatever you want and just give money away all the time, but it was about a generosity of spirit. My mother passed that, had that for her as I told stories about my mom. I'd come home and there'd be just another random person sitting at the dinner table because there was somebody at work that needed a place to eat. <coughs> just passed that down as we continue to try to pass that down to our kids. So how your family of origin dealt with money? Because I know it's not always positive, right? I, have, I know families that um, charge their kids rent as they grow up, like you get an allowance. So let's say I give you, uh, say Julie, you get an allowance, I give you $5 and you're a five-year-old. You now have to pay me rent. And you also need to cover your toothpaste and your soap. And so what I'm doing is I'm trying to teach you how to budget your $5 allowance. I, that is not what I would do, not how I grew up, but I know that um, the children who grew up in that have a lot of issues about money. But there's all kinds of ways. Some of you have traumatic experiences. Some of you have generous experiences. There's all kinds of ways. And that all informs everything that we do here in the church as well. Just as how you are engaged in relationships, your church experience, all of that, we bring all that into this space. And so I don't want to say that there is um, simply one way that we have to go, right? My family, we move towards a posture of tithing, which means that when we think about all the resources of money that come into our household, we make sure that 10% of that goes back out. Now, that is not everybody, but 10% is an easy thing for me to remember, and so we support organizations to that amount. Some of you may not be able to do that. You may not have the resources to be able to give. And so you, you do supplement that with your time and your, uh, and your talents. Others of you are, are generous beyond what any of us could imagine. Both now and at the end of your time, you've uh, gifted great amounts of money to the church for work that is meaningful. So for me, it's really not about why you, you know, like how much you give or the pattern or what method you use that... Two questions for me are why do we give and really what are we building? The passage that you heard today is one that I think is the best stewardship passage ever. It's not about guilt. It's not about, gosh, look how much uh, that widow gave. Man, that percentage was super high and you may be given more, but you know, the, giving faith anything based on shame is not going to be longstanding. It's not about um, the saving of the grain where, well, you're going to hell if you save it all up, right? That's not what, I, I don't respond well to that. What I do respond well to and why I remember all the time is this passage from, that Moses, uh, that we hear from Exodus. We get this passage, so they're traveling, right? They're still kind of headed towards this promised land. They've whined and complained along the way, but things are going okay now. And so they're feeling this call to build what you will see in some translations, the tabernacle or the sanctuary. The tabernacle and the sanctuary where we, we understood where God was, which kind of morphed into our modern day. Where do we think God lives? It used to be that God lives right in a building, and we've kind of moved beyond that. But at that point, the tabernacle, the the, the sanctuary was movable, and so it was time they were being called to build their 
place of God. They wouldn't have called it a church, but it was time to build up this thing where they understood God, where God was going to be. And so they call all of the workers, and uh, well done, Lee, on, on saying their names. So they call all of the leaders and the workers together, and they say, bring all of your stuff in. And the, at the, the, the crux of the story is that there's so much generosity from the people who are bringing in that Moses has to actually say to people, stop giving, we have enough. I don't know how many times I preached this sermon over my 26 years, but I can guarantee you there has never been a stewardship season, any stewardship committee that has ever had to send a note back out to the congregation that has said, we're good, that's enough. It's never happened. I've never heard any of my friends' churches that happen. But I think one of the reasons is because very few of us individually or communities let ourselves ask that question what is enough? In our culture, we are not taught to get to the point where we say, this is enough. We're taught that if you are not continually striving for more, somehow you are lazy, somehow you're not motivated, you're not ambitious. Sometimes, friends, you and I have to know that this is enough. Not even just about money, right? I mean, you all know that I've been out for uh, a few months, and um, I'm feeling much better now. I, my headaches are starting to wane a little bit more, but there have been many, many moments where I have to say to myself about my own energy and my time, even when I want to do more, that's enough. And it's not that's enough, and now I'm just going to go laze around all day. It's that's enough because that's all you need. That's all you needed to do in the day. My to-do list is long, like many of yours. There are things that I want to get done. I feel like there's pressure to get done. There's, there's shame if I don't get it done. There's my own sense of self-worth if I don't get all these things checked off. But at some point in the day, I have to say to myself, that's enough. Because if I don't, I run the risk of having my worth be determined by what I accomplish and how many things I do. That is the same danger for churches. That is the same danger for churches of wealth. Now, and I have not been with you for very long, two and a half years. I do not come out of the same culture um, that many of you come out of, and so I know I might be poking in a little bit, but I wanna tell you that one of the realities of this congregation, you may not see yourselves as wealthy, you may not see yourselves um, as a church of significant means, but we are. And I think the question for us about what is enough is really important. Because otherwise what happens is we let all of the other things that inform how we address money and finances take precedent over what God is calling us to do, what God is calling us to build what God is saying, this is what I'm calling you on this journey to do and to build, just like the people were being called in the tabernacle. If, if we don't ask the question of ourselves, what is enough, we will continue to treat what we have with the ways, with the approach that we do because of what we've experienced in the past. Some of us who have experienced generosity and just like, let's give it all away, are going to come with that impression to the, the, the legacy fund that you'll hear about next week, this this amazingly generous amount of money that this congregation has. 
And we might be like, let's just give it all away. Now, I know some of you are about to have a heart attack right now. That probably will not get voted in. Some of you are going to say, we'll never have enough. You never know what's going to happen. Something awful might happen and we're going to need that. So let's not touch it at all. That's also not a faithful response to an amazing amount of wealth that this community has. And so what we do actually have to say is begin to have those questions about what is enough. Because when we can do that, when we can say what is enough, meaning not necessarily a number, but even just how we approach what we have, then we can begin to say, here's what we're going to build. We think we want to build this thing. What do we need? We begin to ask and we begin to, to challenge one another to support the, with resources and time and talent and treasure into what we're trying to build and what God's calling us to build. And then I think if we've asked ourselves, this is enough, then we know when we get there. We know when we can say, this is what we need in order to build what God is calling us to build. And I don't have numbers for you. I don't want to say in order for us to grow, if you spend this amount of money, this is what it's going to cost. There's no guarantees to any of this. But what I don't want us to get caught up in is, is to pay less attention to what God is encouraging us to build and pay, pay more attention to fighting over our wealth and this disparity of what is enough and should we ever use it. I want to name that this congregation has had a a difficult time with money in its past. There's people that have experienced feeling maybe it wasn't used well. Some of you, when you haven't been happy with leadership, you have withheld offering. Some of you, when you don't trust other people, you give the specific things to make sure that you have control over where your money goes. Others of you have just said, take it, whatever. There's all been kinds of things, but those are the realities of how we approach money in this place. And so you and I have to commit to each other that we're going to be different, that we're actually going to be open to the abundance that is here and to actually acknowledge that there is an amazing amount of abundance in resources in this place and that God is calling us to build something. Because if we can't gather together and commit to building something, I can't imagine we're going to bring anything to it. So we hold those two things in tension over the next six months. We think about what are we trying to build? What are we trying to build together? And then how are we going to bring our resources to it? I would love if we decide we're going to do this and this and this, and we say we want to support it with our resources, or here's the talent that we can offer, but here's the funding we want to do. I would love if our stewardship and our planning team and the session and everybody says, you know what? I think we have enough. Please, let's surprise each other. Let's be like Moses. Let's be like the people gathered. Let's be generous. Let's know what we're building, that it is faithful and it is of God. And who knows? Maybe we get to that point where we brought so much into the space that we can say to one another with joy and thanksgiving, that's enough. Let us pray. God, for the abundance in our life, some which is so obvious and evident, some of which is difficult to see. We give you thanks. We ask, O oh God, that you would continue to remind us of the abundance around us. Give us wisdom in how we express that abundance in the world and continue to nurture and care for us as we bring our entire selves into these conversations. Again, we thank you 
for this day, for this gathering, and for this community whose generosity has been amazing and have so much more to give. We pray all this in the name of Christ and God's people say, amen. Mm -hmm.